Golight presents Murder Most Irish. Like grime videos with Jer. Why? Is he doing full blown grime imitations? And he was like, Koi is my. It's hard to explain. I'm just going to say he's my nephew. Um, he's your nephew's son. He's my nephew's son. Um, and I, he was like, Dan, he was, his new favourite song is Barbie Girl. Aww. But he dances like uh, Stormzy. I love it. He was like, I'm a Barbie girl. And he was like, doing all this. Three. Chase. Um, He's just very funny. You've got it in your hands now. He makes me laugh a lot, which I like. I can't believe he's three. That's yeah. fucking crazy. He's that only he's four. Three, that he's three years old. He's very funny, but... Um, Whenever I see, like, even my sister, Catherine's kids, I'm like, oh my God, look at them, they're doing stuff. Yeah, when they start to have little personalities. They're talking. It's weird. It is weird to see them grow. Like, now Lily's all of a sudden a teenager. Yeah, Lily's properly grown up now. <sighs> Today we came in and she just went straight upstairs and closed her door. And she's keeping a diary, but, like, I don't know. It's just... I'm, obviously, I'm not going to look at she it. She went upstairs and closed her door? Yeah. Stop. Now, you know how big of a step that is. That is anti-Lily. Yeah. That's the antithesis of Lily, like. Yeah, because her room's all done up. So she just goes She just wants to be by her... She in closes her, room. her door and turns on her telly. And I was like, uh, yeah, right up there. Can we leave your door open? And then she does it when you come in, she'd just be like, Don't look at my diary. I mean, no, I wouldn't have known it was your diary and it, if you hadn't said anything. Like I wouldn't have known this. Said to Graham, what if we opened it and just drawn to penises? Hilarious. <laughs> well not hilarious, actually no, because that would be a reason for that. You know, it's a red flag. It'd be a bad reason. Um, but um, uh it's like that kid in Super Red. Yeah, we could that, stop that was like me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be like Lily got it from Sarah. This um, is but yeah, so that's that's her new thing now, and I just don't know how to deal with it. Today well, when we were making dinner, I was like, I'm just be worried something happened to her, like the cats and you dying by yourself. Like when she's upstairs, in her yeah. She said to leave her, leave her door open. She says she want to. She says she wants privacy. I'd be like, leave that fucking door open. Mm-hmm. Leave it open. I don't want to make big deal out of it, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but you just be like, we want to make sure you're okay. Yeah. I'm trying to give her a space as well, but let her have a little bit of. We want to call to you. We know the door's open. Yeah, I'd be like, you should. You should do. You should do like a um. It's just like just a crack. Yeah, just leave it a crack. That's all. Lily, Lily, yeah. are you all right, Lily? In a couple of years now, she's gonna be like, I hate you. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> like I think it's coming faster than. <laughs> but they, I think they are. They're maturing. They are maturing at a different rate than what we matured at because there's so much information around them that they're they're gathering. We didn't have that luxury of having no, when we were eight or nine years of I age. I do think we're like I think I'm doing a good job of keeping her. Like she's still. Plays with her doll. Oh, she's still a kid. Like, like but it is, like, I can see it happening and it's yeah. like, what? It must be so weird. No. Like, I can see Fionn. Yeah. Like, from when he was like five or six and he'd be like, I want to play, let's play, let's play, we'll yeah. play games, play, play, play. And now you can just see he's got his own things. Yeah. And his own ways of enjoying stuff and he just really, like, he, him and Yvonne are all together, but, you know, you can see that he's more like a wants to be by himself or she'd be like, I'm going here and he'd be like, I'm not going. Yeah. That kind of, you can yeah. start to see it kicking in, like. So, yeah, she's on a, yeah, it's like, this is, this is a <gasps> new chapter. So it's a new thing. But also, do you know what it could be as well? It could be because of the new room that might I calm. think it, I think it might calm down after a while with you the know, room. She but might be like, she nah, is, her room is lovely. And she's comfortable and happy. Yeah. 
So, anyway, welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Episode 110, I believe. He has Mom. risen from the dead and he I like to have the episode number correct. Um, which I will say, our thing that we upload to our Pod Play Studio is really good because well, the other one that we had never t- never kept like... A number log. A number log, but this does, which I like because the other one just did not do that. Uh, here, we are episode... One 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 zero. 110, baby. Wow. One one zero, baby. We've been doing this for two years and we got 110 episodes. That's good. Because what was I looking at the other day? There was a podcast that had been doing it for a lot longer than us and only had like 100 episodes. Oh, really? Yeah. So, um, so don't, we, we're doing okay, I think. Okay. Are we? Who knows? Yeah, no, I think so. We're not Mark Marimble. No, we're not. What does he do other than like work? He work like I just I think he he has so many problems. Did you listen to the um fucking oh, what's we're doing the act? I'm doing the actual thing again. Uh, what's, uh, <laughs> what's what was the name? Um, give Look me a hint. He's back now. He's famous again. Everybody loves him. Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser episode. No. Who's tough listen? Why? Tell because me. Brendan Fraser is very close to his emotions. He's very close to his emotions. Because he's fat now, apparently. He's very that's tense. Apparently, being fat is <laughs> fucking so terrible. It's the worst thing in the world. And bald. Um, he. Mark Maron's mother has had anorexia and other eating disorders since he was a kid. Oh, okay. So he's got massive body issues and he's got massive issues with food. And it makes like he, he it's something that triggers him massively like he, he talks about it in the podcast and he went to see the whale and he was talking to Brendan Fraser about it and he just broke down and you could see that they cut the episode because he was so upset because he was like you when you grow up in that kind of intensity of if your body looks in any way not perfect you're bad and disgusting and there's something wrong with you and that's what he grew up in and um, that was just and Brendan Fraser is he's an intense guy but he's very sweet he is very sweet um, and I wish him all the best in life I do he's I don't know this thing but people fucking talk about him as if he's dying he, he said that on the episode he was like you know I'm not I'm not a um, you know I don't want people's sympathy that's not but what that I'm that is what he's for. getting I don't I don't you know, understand how I, he doesn't see that because every fucking TikTok video is like I watch about Brendan Fraser every oh, fucking yeah. like they're like God he look how much he's overcome he's just fat lads and he's bald <laughs> No, but I think the thing is as well, he talked about being sexually assaulted. And did he talk out about being sexually assaulted? He did. And is that why he was like he his was career? Basically like... blacklisted from Hollywood. And then obviously when the Me Too movement hit and people started being like but Terry Crews Terry came Cruz out as well. well. Yeah, and people were like, Maybe we should actually listen to men that have been victims of this. Um that's when his career kinda came back. Came back a little bit and kind of took an upset. When did he come out and talk about being sexually assaulted? Uh just before the Me Too movement, I think. Oh, okay. Um he did an interview with, I'm reading an interview with Vanity Fair just after the Me Too movement where he talked about it. But I think a lot of people have this like thing in their hearts for him because you grew up watching him when you were a kid. So it's like the Robin Williams effect. Like you know people have that thing about Robin Williams where they get really upset when they talk about Robin Williams. Whereas like if you the amount of people I've seen saying like if there's anybody that they could not have died that was famous they say Robin Williams because he's such a hard life at the end of it but I think a lot of people for that it's Brendan Fraser it's like the mummy and Encino yeah like Man for me like he like was Airheads. like I watched I watched California Man is what's called yeah. in Ireland by the way not Encino Man so I think it's that kind of thing um, where you had that I wa- me and Richie watched like Polly Shore yeah California Man yeah we watched that movie 
like, over, over and, and over, over again. George of the Jungle. George of the Jungle. I didn't really watch George like, of the Jungle. I just remember he used to say, you know the way, George, 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 George of the, the Jungle. jungle. Yeah. Watch out for that tree. We used to sing that to my cousin Paul because he stole my <laughs> uncle. He stole my uncle Cormac's car and drove it into a tree. Jesus Christ. And he only got like, I think he got like less than like four doors down the road. <laughs> um... And so we sing that, and that's the only thing I really remember from that. And then fucking airheads, man. Yeah. So, but like, I never was like Brendan Fraser is just. And in the mummy, I was never attracted to him. I was oh, I've never been attracted to him. Deeply attracted to Rachel Wise. She's so beautiful, but I was never attracted to Brendan Fraser. I just, I hope he's like he's got a. I didn't know he had an autistic son. Okay. And he got really upset when he was talking about his son as well. Do you cry as well? Yeah. The two All of the them, men are crying. The two of them were just a wreck by the end of like the... Like me and you once like a month. Mar- yeah, <laughs> were just like, you could Actually, tell... we haven't cried in ages. No, you could tell by the end of the episode, the two of them were just like, oh, Jesus Christ. But yeah, I think it is that thing where he was like, I'm not a charity case. I'm not here for people to be like, oh, oh. poor Brendan Fraser. The big oh. fat man is back. Yeah, but he did say like he understands that people kind of see in him this person that kind of had a shit time and overcame it. And got yeah, to no, nice I think place. that's good, but I don't think anybody's talking about that. <clears throat> no, they're just feeling sorry for him all yeah. the time for some reason, which I don't really. Um, but I hope he just has a nice career because he seems like a decent dude. Mark Maron is so close to his emotions at all times. Oh, yeah. He's had so much therapy. But he didn't used to be. No, no, he's had so much therapy. Heard, if you listen to his older episodes, he was like, when emotions would come up, he'd just be like, nah! Yeah. I hate feelings. But now do you think late, lately like, I was watching, I watched a clip for his like, you know, his like stand-up special. Yeah. And I just was like, man, he looked like a a wildly wizardly Jew. Yeah. Like he looks so Jewish now. He, yeah, and that's because he's, he's gotten, getting older. Yeah, 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 yeah I was yeah. like, man, I would tell you all of my problems yeah. and you would give me all of the answers. <laughs> but um, I do, there are times where I listen to Marin where I'm like, oh God, fucking shut up. Like, Do you know what I think? I was, uh, do you know I was listening to him and I think one of the reasons he's a very good interviewer because he does get a lot out of people. He does, he gets loads out of them. It's because he asks really fucking detailed yeah, and yeah, yeah. like awful, like difficult questions. Yeah. Like he just be like, he doesn't shy away from no. it. No, he's not sitting there going. And I think it's because clearly he hasn't shied away from those problems yeah. himself. He's well, he's um, well able to say to people like, why, why, why would you do that? like? And the episodes that you listen to where he um, confronts people that were in comedy with him for shitty things that they've done. Yeah, there's one really famous comedian I can't remember his name, but he was basically blacklisted from comedy because he's stealing like other comedians entire sets oh. and like making TV shows based on them and he was a ter- like he was horrible to all the other comedians and Marin doesn't have two episodes with them where he the first episode he confronts them and the guy's like I didn't do that that didn't happen and then he comes back from a second episode and he admits that he did it so there are older episodes like the, the newer ones are kind of more they're more watered down a little bit yeah I think so because too because it's more commercial and yeah. he's got like a casting he's got all these ads but and back in the like day HBO yeah and back in the day when he was he just would say like there's an episode he did with um, who's that comedian that died that used to smash the watermelons oh I don't know Gallagher oh okay so Gallagher is that comedian who wears the stripy tops and smashes the watermelons he was like one of those comics but he's like a ver- he's dead now but he was a virulent racist like a horrific racist okay. so that's kind of why his career died off but he did an episode of the podcast a couple of years ago and he walked off. He just left like 20 minutes into the episode. Oh. Because Maren was like, why would you say these things? Like, why would you say these horrific things to people? Like, it's not funny. And then he just left. Oh. But then he played that episode when Gallagher died. He's like, I'm just going to play this because... It's what happened. This is what he's like. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I do. Like, I I think that is the thing about him. He's so o- open 
that most people when yeah. they go on there end up being like super open with him that's what happens to me in your nail salons that's it people tell me shit man yeah shit. I get into like and then they go I don't know why I'm telling you this I am um, I went for dinner last week so I've, oh, I'm like with some peop- new people that I've met yeah from a like work perspective yeah and one of them is quite like senior in the business and they sat at the table and they started to talk and it was just me and them and one other person and the other person had gotten up to go to the toilet and within like five minutes of them being at the table I knew everything about them I knew so much about them that and and they were like I don't know why I'm telling you this mm. I've never told anybody this that I work with it's weird and I was like keep telling me more my mother has a face like that as well people will tell my mum stuff like she'll be anywhere like many times my mum has gotten off train or a bus and she'll be like I talking to this person and she'll just have their You're entire same. life story same. and I'm like how did you get all of that out of this person yeah. but yeah it's weird. I think some people, I don't know, maybe they can just sense off you that you're not going to be... That you're open. You're not going to be horrible to them. Yeah. Or like judge them or be cruel. Or they just need to talk, man. Maybe they just need to get it off their fucking chests. Mm. I go to therapy for that. I pay someone to listen to me. Yes. I <laughs> for, pay you. For 50 minutes. And I know when she gets off that cold, she goes... <sighs> no, she doesn't. She absolutely takes a deep breath. Like, if your therapist does that to you, I will hold them down. Been, she was like, how long has she been doing therapy and this is still going on? <laughs> I'm just, we're just taking money from her at this point <laughs> that's what I think happens at the end of all my therapy sessions uh, cancer cash that's what I think I'm, I genuinely and when it's a bad session I'm like when she, when she hangs up I'm like oh, what's she saying about me no she Emma. I know I know and I told her this and she just laughs at me yeah because you're fucking, cause I'm crazy, fucking crazy bitch do you want to hear uh, something that I realised yesterday oh go on I was in my car and a playlist was playing and I don't have Kanye West blocked on my Spotify. Right. But I don't listen to him but yeah. it came on this playlist and I was driving so I couldn't do anything better. And it was Jesus Walks by Kanye West. Yeah. And uh, in that song he goes uh, there's a line where he goes to the hustlers drug dealers yeah. murderers yeah even the strippers Jesus walks with them. So he puts and I was murderers like, I was like <laughs> before them and in that like, list and even like he goes and it? even the strippers Jesus walks like them. they're the scum and of I was like them women we should have seen it coming be working fucking like I, I was like is this just is this foreshadowing yeah, we that we just didn't see and then he dated Amber Rose who was a stripper apparently he's up for like um, assault or something there's a battery charge against him did you hear that he got married yeah apparently he's not a real marriage one okay uh, to someone that looks after something on his team oh, and easy. Jesus, Marissa, just, <laughs> I just can't be doing with them anymore. Like, um, so anyway, what have you been watching? Nothing, Sarah. Have you not been watching anything? No, I've been reading. I've just been reading loads. I yeah, haven't been watching anything. You're like, I'm reading. I'm reading my I'm little reading. book. Look at my little book. Yeah, no, I'm just been reading. I'm by myself and I'm reading I'm a book. I'm in my bed. No, oh, I'm in the sitting room now most nights and I read. And then Colin's like, oh, we'll hang out in the sitting room. And he just sits in his room. Yeah, Colin, I'm saying it. He just sits in his room. I'm like coming to the sitting room. Maybe he doesn't want to hang out with And you. then I hear He does go, he, there, does, yeah. he does fall asleep quite early. Real quick as well. He'd be talking to me and then I'll just hear him snoring. And then he does this thing that my mother does, which drives me nuts. My mother does this thing when she's asleep because her room is here and our bathroom at home is across from her. Mm-hmm. And she's passed out. And she I'll just walk past and she'll go, Emma! And I'm like, just go to sleep. Why are you half Graham, awake? Graham's mom used to do this thing where if I, like back in the day when I'd be staying over in Graham's mom's house with him and she slept with the bedroom door open. Okay. And the bathroom's right beside her door. Yeah. And I'd get up to go to the toilet because yeah. I've, I've, I got a wee wee. I've got a weak bladder. And she'd be like, 
Is there... Is that you? Who the fuck else do you think it is? is? Who else is it, Bernadine? Like, Bernadine! Mothers don't sleep, Sarah. I'm, I'm they like, just don't sleep. And then my thing is, I can't go now because I know you can hear me. Do you sleep? Yes. Properly since you had yeah, a kid. Yeah, I have... Uh, Graham is the mother of our he, family. He'll be awake. Graham is the mother of our family. It depends. So, sometimes... So, she doesn't call for me. Because she knows. She knows. This bitch out right? cold. She awakens. <laughs> so, she calls for dad. She always, like, if she has a bad dream, if she needs to throw up. She like, she was getting sick during the night and she was like, I need dad. And I was like, well, he's not <laughs> fucking here, right? So, you've got me. Deal with it. <laughs> like... Because um, I just don't think mothers sleep very well since when they have kids. Like my mother. Well, when I was young, when she was younger, I I found it very difficult yeah. to sleep. Um, I think you're always there's a party that's always kind of hyper aware yeah. if you're a good parent. Now Lily always, always lies as well. She's like, I was up in the middle of the night. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. Now if she gets out of her bed and she's in the bathroom, I'll hear her wake up. No, you weren't. But you little bitch. There has been times definitely where she'll be like, Ma, Ma. Oh, God. She doesn't call me Mabel. How do you do it? Um, and I'm like, <laughs> and then I do. I used. I don't do. I used to do this, and I admit to it. I used to pretend to be asleep. That she had. So when me and Graham were like taking turns, yeah, I used to pretend that I had already been up. Sarah. <laughs> I know as I told him Jesus. after we, after she grown out of that face I'd be like it's your turn I've already been like, awake yeah I absolutely got up there now. and he'd be like what I didn't hear you yeah you were called <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ sir Jane I'd be like yeah no I, I was already up you must be really tired it's, just hurt. it's your turn like, and then he'd be up and I'd be like fuck like how do people how do parents have like sleep how do you have proper sleep you don't for the first that's hell uh, and I understand why people get divorced when they have kids yeah and like it is like, a real that kind is. of log because you're supposed so tired and it's that kind of when I get tired I get really irritable so I understand like and I'm also like <clears throat> very jealous of what I remember me and Graham I stopped talking to Graham because uh, when I went back to work yeah Lenny wouldn't Lenny didn't want me like I would talk, she'd be like oh, like wanted Graham oh and I'm like she doesn't want me anymore and then it was like Graham's fault but, <laughs> but I think that's a normal thing though to feel that I remember way. sitting on I remember sitting on like we'd a like a love seat in the yeah. sitting room I remember sitting in the love seat and being just like just having a little sob like just looking at directly at the wall being like well you, you can both fuck off <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm fucking ill <laughs> yeah I know I just I under, I see when I hear like of younger not younger but couples having a baby and then like a year later breaking up I'm like I totally get this yeah I can fully understand why you're not you don't get much sleep and then like and also if you haven't if you haven't really spoken about your plan yeah which a lot of people don't because they just assume that when they have a baby kind of just whatever slot. way they work now is how they'll continue yeah, to work of course, yeah. but if you don't actually talk about like your plan of like what you parent what you plan on parenting like yeah and understanding that that probably is not going to be the same yeah, way you yeah, do yeah. um then it can be a real marker for like oh oh yeah. we actually don't see eye to eye and we don't get on and yeah, like and then on top of that we're really tired we're both very tired and we're, and we're also financially like yeah. more than likely really drained we have this other thing now in and our i haven't worked for six months and i get like partial maternity leave yeah it's a lot isn't it it's very intense so like financially we're both really stretched and also we're stretched financially but we have to pay for a lot more than we ever did yeah nappies are expensive baby food's expensive boogies are expensive doctor visits doctor visits like all, like, that, all jazz. that shit 
is expensive. Oh, she needs a new baby badge. Oh, like this is supposed to be good for her. She's grown out of her clothes every yeah. three months. She needs new shoes. Oh, she needs to go and get measured for her Clark shoes. Like, and it's can we have lot, a christening? Can, like, <clears throat> all of that costs money. And then it's like, oh, and also, like, you... I'm very tired and I hate you. you yeah, <laughs> and you don't value the same things I do yeah. that I thought were important, that I thought you knew were important to me. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, you don't baby the way I, my dad did and that's what I wanted. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, like, yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah, like, I can see... And, like, because me and Graham had, like, me, I, me and Graham had very open and honest conversations about, like, if we have a baby, what way... Do, like, I was like, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Like, and I don't mean, like, the fucking, I'm going to give birth. Like, what do you think is going to happen afterwards? If, if, like, this scenario or of that scenario or of, like, blah, blah. And he was like, ooh. And, like, what do you think is going to happen with my job? Because I'm the one that's career oriented and I'm the one that earns most money. So, like, I can't, like, if you want me to give that up. I have to take a break, like, anyway. So, all of those things. Uh. And most people don't and there are people out there that have babies to think that they're going to fix relationships oh god and they don't oh it makes it worse makes it worse makes it ten times worse don't have babies no 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 babies no baba unless you want to have babies in which case have all the babies you want yeah um yeah okay so for housekeeping housekeeping Um, I wanted to last week we did this but unfortunately Colin accidentally cut it out so I said I'd put it in this he went chop and it was gone Um, I got a lovely message from a person named Bobby who wanted me to because her one of her best friends Beth listens to our podcast and she wanted me to just say thank you to Beth because Beth has been a really good friend to them Um, when Bobby was in the hospital Beth came down and brought magazines and food and games and all this stuff I really like grapes Grapes are good. Grapes are really good. Like seedless, obviously. Washed because it's pain in the air. So not wash them in the hospital. Pain in the hole. Um, I really like a grape in the hospital. Yeah, that's a good thing to have, I think. Yeah, food, honestly, in the hospital is actually a good thing to give somebody because... The, the shop that stands down in the shop. Well, like the food, your dinner gets given at five and then that's it. And then there's an eight o'clock snack, but snack is usually What's like... snack? It depends on the night and it depends on the hospital. But like James's hospital... Snack at 8 o'clock. An old cream cracker with cheese. Cere- no, no, no. That's oh. when I was in the rotunda. Uh, snacking at night would be cereal usually. Oh, I love both cereal at night. And like a cup of tea and a biscuit. I'd love that. Um, or a toast yeah. and a cup of tea. Um, and then every now and then you might get like, they're doing pudding. Like oh. bread and butter pudding or custard. Oh, okay. Um, the food in James' hospital is actually quite good. Okay, the potatoes okay. are shite because mash... Here's the thing about people who fucking... Mashed potatoes cannot... If you boil a potato and you plan on mashing it, you have to mash it there and then. Oh yeah, you can't just leave it sitting around and then mash it. What yeah, the fuck? Who so does in that? the hospital, it's a hospital. Psychopaths. So they like boil and parboil and then they'll mash, mash them all it later. later, and then you just get fucking big. No, lumps. mash that shit immediately. Um. But yeah, just to say to Beth for being such a good friend to Bobby, they wanted to tell you that they love you and they appreciate everything you did. And Beth is a really big fan of the show. Hi Beth. So we just want to say hello to Beth and Bobby. And apologies, it was in last week, but unfortunately it got cut out. So I hope you're feeling loads better, Bobby. And you're on the bench. So that's all I wanted to say. Also, I wanted to apologise for mispronouncing uh, that gentleman's name in last week's story. I had a lovely person leave me a message. <laughs> I seen that message and I said, even with that message, I can't pronounce it. Oh, <laughs> so they, the lovely person got on to me and just said, listen, just in um, Hungarian. So it would be pronounced Chaba. 
not cassava. Um, and also, Collins Band have a single. Cell Games is the name of the band, and the single is called Here's to Your Bones, and it's very fucking good. It is really it's good. It's a fucking bop. I, I, like that that, I like the art for Yeah, it's great. Uh, Tristan's girlfriend did that art. She's very talented. She's very talented. Um, so, yeah, if it's on Spotify or wherever you get music, I don't know. Where do people get music now? Apple Music. Apple Music. Spotify. One of those jazzy things. That's it, that's all I know. Um, so, yeah, that's everything oh, for Amazon Music. Amazon Music. Does anybody use Amazon Music? Oh, in people in America, yeah. Really? Because of Alexia. What's underneath here that I'm sitting on? On my laptop. Well, it's broken. Take it out. Take it out. I just heard it clear. <laughs> no, it's fine. Oh, good woman. Um, but yeah, so just to say sorry for mispronouncing that gentleman's name last week because he did die and I should have been more... That's my fault because I listened to an RT interview and they pronounced it like that and then I was like, of course they did. So, very sorry for that. Um, but I think that's all housekeeping. Have you anything else? No. Nothing else at all? No. Not for me? I have no housekeeping. Do you know what I was actually going to say to you? Um, have you seen this? Uh, is it her name? Andrea Rice? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? The Andrea Riseborough Burrow, Burrow, Burrow thing at the Oscars? If someone sends us a message that says, that's not how you pronounce her name. <laughs> I think it's Andrea Riseborough. She's in this movie called T. Leslie, which is actually Mark Maron's in that movie. And this is how I heard about it. She's a very good actress. But apparently there's like murder going on because she got nominated for an Oscar. But to Leslie only made like 26,000 in the box office and nobody knew who it was. And then all this kind of grassroots movement kicked up of like famous actresses like Kate Winslet and Kate Blanchett and all these actresses mentioning her and saying she should get an Oscar nomination. So Kate Blanchett, even when she accepted her Golden Globe, I want yeah. to say, said there's an amazing actress named Andrea Riseborough and we want her. We think that she should be nominated for an actor. An Oscar. And... Uh, so apparently she's been she's been nominated she got the nomination and apparently now it's just TikTok are kicking off because they're like she shouldn't have this nomination it should have went to a woman of colour or should have went to somebody else that was in a famous movie that made loads of money and this is like they're infiltrating the Oscars and now the Oscars because of this are doing an investigation into how she got nominated so you nominated her what? it's like when the guardie do an investigation with themselves we investigated ourselves and we found we did nothing wrong um, but yeah it's weird I've been watching it kind of happen is that why you wanted week. to talk about the Oscars yeah I just thought it was really strange I was like I know people keep asking that other girl that's married to Shia LaBeouf does she think she should be nominated Mia Goth She's like, yeah, she's a really. I just think that um, those kids are. And I could see Alexander Scar, Alexander Skarsgård for the, no one, like... no one can see me right now. But Emma, this is what he's doing. So you be me a goth. I'm me a goth. <laughs> he did not break eye contact. He did not is make he eye contact with the journalist. No, he was just like, oh, the journalist. He no, he didn't make eye contact with journalists. He just stared at me yeah, and got through the entire writer. thing because he, he was like, I am. I don't want to be I don't I want to get an Oscar nomination give me an Oscar nomination and I don't in any way want to be involved in this conversation um, yeah, he was, she was like but she's, I, she is right though it is massively political the I just think it's very political weird. and I think like there's a lot of things that have to happen for you to get an Oscar and I don't really think I'm about those things people are all saying she sounds like Peppa Pig and I'm like she does she does, she does she was like she Peppa one of the Peppa Pigs no Peppa Pigs. I don't think so she was in, I googled her last week because I was like where did this one come from and she was an she was a model oh. and then she became an actress but yeah, I just thought the... I didn't realise that you have to have like a certain s- standard of things before you can be nominated you for an lobby Oscar. and everything, Emma. Yeah, so... It costs like there's, there's so money involved money. to lobby. And then people were like, a movie that made 26000 I'm like, hold on. The amount of money a movie made should not warrant an award. Their performance should warrant an yeah. award. So if anything, y'all are kind of showing your asses with this because you just think that a movie that makes a shit ton of money should... Which, how many movies... My cousin Vinny did not make a lot of movie or a lot of money. 
And fucking what's her name on the Oscar for that? That's a great movie. Great movie. Like a great movie. So good. Yeah. And she deserved. And I always think Ghostbusters should have been nominated for an Oscar. And I, I agree. Stand by that to the day I die. For Ew. best screenwriting. It should have won an Oscar. Masterpiece. Especially if you look at the original screen. I, I'm only saying this because I watched it the other night and I was like, this is so fun. It is a masterpiece. One of, I love that's in my so top much. five favorite yeah. movies. Fucking unbelievable. It's, it's a problematic. Strange. Yes, it just is problematic. problematic. The blowjob scene from the ghost. Yeah. I the watched like, that as a kid. Like, that's not just consent, non-consent. What about the mascara? Shut I would just like to say... The fuck up, everybody. I don't care. And I have no idea how I got embroiled in this, but it is <laughs> everywhere. I'm like, I don't care I do not care there are you are moaning at this girl about mascara when you have models and actresses telling you their skin looks like that because they drink two litres of water a day and not because they're getting shit injected into their face every month cop the fuck on mm. oh my god she wore falsies oh no people are dying mm. people are dying Kim people are dying but, Kim like, it's just so annoying and like people are making these like videos where honestly when they started I'm like did this girl murder someone yeah. did she stab someone with the mascara yeah. what's happening like, they're like I just feel like this is you know so wrong go outside please also Gen Z and boomers right the pipeline for these people to believe everything that they read on the internet oh yeah is quite astounding to me yeah no do you know they what? will read something and none of them will fact check it yeah my, my nephew and they run with it yeah I'm like this is boomer behaviour yeah. like y'all haven't been taught that the internet because we were taught the internet was bad yeah. we were taught don't talk strange on the internet there's weirdos on the internet you're going to die if you go on the internet I was taught that if you after I'd been doing it for like raped. four years yeah but like do you know what I mean we were always told there's weirdos these motherfuckers are online giving like strangers their address my dad was like don't give anybody your address I live in 22 yeah but you know what I mean like it's just watching them I'm like oh you believe everything you see on the internet this that's is a good point astounding. I actually agree a whole heart day with and I wonder what that shift is I wonder where it went from because I do think that we, we grew up being like internet's bad like we were always told don't do this don't do that like but from now it just seems to be like give your address your blood type mm, PPS show take a picture right now of where you are put it up like they just I was like you're fucking dumb and then they have that thing where they'll like I saw somebody a girl doing this store, this video about the Titanic the other day and she had, this girl was young, but she'd obviously been like, I'm a huge Titanic fan. And this is the truth about the Titanic. But she'd obviously read some conspiracy theory oh, no. post and fully believed the nonsense that she had read. And was doing like a Gen Z thing where she was like, hey guys, right, like, so it's like, like all this fucking, where they're ripping off AAVE, which seems to be okay because they're Gen Z. And uh, some guy, millennial obviously was like, hey, just to let you know, none of that is true. And you have met, you read a conspiracy theory, put it up on the internet and has hundreds of thousand people going, oh my God, wow. Y'all are so dumb. Yeah. Anyway, I hate no Gen Z. They're good kids, but like read a book. Read a book. Mm-hmm. And the internet's bad. Boo internet. Be, what, like the internet warrants a bit of like, hmm, let me check that let out. Let me check that out. Snopes.com like, is your best friend. That actually, that's what I would, Snopes.com, I was talking, me and Derek friend. were talking about it at dinner your today and I was like, Mm, I'm just going to check yeah just, I'm just mm. have a quick google because sometimes I hear things and like even it's something that like you know with regards to liberal media where it's like it's the thing where somebody will say something and I'm like oh I definitely believe that because I know that per- bad person would do that bad thing sometimes I'm like mm, I don't know if I believe that and I will google it because I'm like a lot of shit is made up yes anyway anyway uh, Pedro Pascal is not made up but he's Pedro Pascal people are fucking obsessed with him Where, why is he all over the place now Last of Us came out oh yes that show and he's, he's good 
Yeah, and it's good. Yeah. Um, but Narcos is so good, and everybody should watch it. Is he in Narcos? Yeah. Oh, I and didn't know I, that. like because he's all over. Like he's fucking. Everybody's editing him into They're everything. Loving him there. There's a couple of scenes on Narcos, and I was like, I that was on my list of things that I should watch, and I love. Pa- Pablo Escobar I don't love him I just love no. like I love the ins and outs of all yeah. that story I remember speaking about it before in podcasts like I'm fucking obsessed with it and I was and like oh, show good Emma it's all I did- so fucking good but you cannot do anything else other than watch it because it's all, all in the, all I know about that show that it makes me laugh is those memes where they're like um, when I go to somebody's house and I don't know what to do and there's just memes of Pedro Pascal or the, the other guy yeah standing outside like this it's just like four pictures of him <laughs> And I'm like, that's all I know about that show. I don't know um, anything else about it. Yeah, no, it's really good. You should watch it. I will watch it. It's really it's fucking Netflix. good. Yeah, it's Sorry. got three seasons. Each season is ten episodes long. I'm on it's it. It's based, in fact, obviously dramatised. Yeah. But, like, in terms of, like, the fucking... It's so good. Watch it. it. And Graham's going to watch it this week. So he can catch up with me because I'm on Check season two. I'm going to watch it. Okay, are we doing my story? Yes, do your story. Let's do a story. Hey, Colin, tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. That's right, now all of your favourite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show, exclusively for Patreon, featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain, along with Lily's Tales, Maximilian's Bell Bag, and some surprises along the way. But that's not all, every single week, due to popular demand, we will be bringing you a full-length story, whether it be Miscellaneous Most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show, Murder Most international for those cases you guys have been crying out for or even music most awesome where we talk about our favorite albums but wait there's even more how about mmi drive the fan favorite podcast show where emma and sarah jane drive around dublin talking about all sorts of shite plus our monthly ask me our segment where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two so what are you waiting for come on over to www.patreon.com for forward slash murder most irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month give my mommy six euro veronica gear and turley oh jesus veronica (laughs) we'll be here for a week uh she was born on 5th july 1959 she's the daughter of christopher and bernadette gearan was nicknamed ronnie isn't that a lovely I didn't know that people call her Ronnie also can I just tell you yeah. that uh, I am from the town of Longford yeah. so when I first met you I had never seen the, the snapper okay and um, we were talking one time and you were saying something about someone and she was like she's got a mad Ronnie and I was like a what? a Ronnie and you were like a Ronnie and I was like I don't even remember this conversation I was like Sarah I don't know what a Ronnie is <laughs> like a moustache man. and I was like the fuck is it called a Ronnie like I had no idea so whenever you say Ronnie now it's all I can think yeah, about yeah no it's a moustache that, well, that conversation we had that the first or time. like my sister's called me Natasha <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry but that's so mean yeah, what like, could you do about it nothing <laughs> she'd be like yeah alright then Natasha and I'm like Jesus, come no need to, you need to bring, I'm nine someone needs to bring me to Endocrinologist oh because I'm God. nine and I've got a mustache. Was it a real mustache? I had like a like I had facial hair, yeah. 
It's like, yeah. Poor Sophie. Yeah. And she used to be like, hey, you all right there, Natasha? And I'd be like, shut up, you I'm fucking... Sure tits! Stupid cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, At the dinner God. table, she'd be like, yeah, I'm oh. right, Natasha. It, got, and got, I, that's so mean. Yeah. Milk. Milk that's on your upper lip, so Natasha. mean. There's no need for that. And I'd be like, why are you calling me Natasha? My name's Sarah. <laughs> Michaela, if you're listening to this, you're nothing but a bitch. <laughs> sorry, anyway, sorry. Sorry, she had a fucking pair of straight fringe. <laughs> right? she, I did that for a time. Fucking I had curly hair and straight fringe. She had a full-on pair of and a, a bone straight fringe. Jesus Christ. Stop texting and you better pay attention to me. I am texting John Flew Vlogs company because this I want to check if they have shoes that I want when I go to Canada. Mega Monster Original in orange. Anyway, I'm going to start my story. Go on. Veronica Gear and Turley. The daughter of Christopher and Bernadette Guerin was nicknamed Ronnie. She and her four siblings were born and brought up in Artane, Dublin, and attended St. Mary's Secondary School in Colester, where she excelled in athletics. Besides basketball and camogie, age, at age 15, she played in an All-Ireland football final with a slip disc. This woman. She had a slip disc and she still played she in the All-Ireland final. Around. I'd be like, uh, put me I in the have bench. a small lower pain in my lower back in the mornings, and I'm like, I don't want to go to work. <laughs> I can't walk. Actually, I just actually, can't walk outside. Uh, I'm just going to work from home today. <laughs> I can't walk down steps. Um, she played for both the Ireland women's national basketball team and the Republic of Ireland women's national football team, representing the latter in a match against England at Dalyman Park in 1981. Oh, jeez, I didn't know this. Veronica Guerin studied accountancy at Trinity College. She doesn't have a degree in journalism. She's so smart. Um, and she married Graham Turley in 1985 and the couple had a son called Cahill who was born in 1990. She was a massive supporter of Manchester United Football Club Aww. and one of her prized possessions was a photo of her and Eric Cantona taken on a visit to Old Trafford. That's so nice. Yeah. My grandma had got into a fight with a footballer. Are you telling me this? Yeah. With a footballer in uh, Manchester United and he punched the fucking head out of my grandma and he des- my granddad deserved he it. He did. He fully deserved it. Um, but yeah. So after studying accountancy, she ran a public relations firm for seven years before she began working for Fianna Fáil as an election agent for Sean Hawhey. After she graduated, her father employed her at his company. Following his death three years later, she changed professions and started the public relations firm firm that I spoke about up above in 1983, which she ran for seven years. As a... In the Fianna Fáil group, she served as secretary to the Fianna Fáil group and the New Ireland Forum. She served as Charles Hawhey's personal assistant and became a close family friend, taking holidays with his children. In 1987, she served as an election agent and party treasurer in Dublin North for Sean Hawhey. She became a reporter in 1990. That's mad. Yeah, I just think it's a really odd... Way what a strange into, way to get into journalism. I don't understand how she got to journalism and I can't find out anywhere how she got there. Anyway, she became a reporter in 1990 writing for the Sunday Business Post and the Sunday Tribune. And only in 1994 she began writing expo- exposés about organised crime for the Sunday Independent. The Indo. I wrote here, Veronica Guerin is a legend in Ireland. She truly is. She wrote eye-opening front-page columns for Ireland's most popular newspaper, the Sunday Independent. She courted both controversy and danger in her methods of obtaining information. And I I think this might be why she was murdered. What do you mean? What I mean by that is that because she doesn't have any qualifications in journalism, it's almost that the only way she knew how to get the information was to knock on someone's door. Yeah. 
So, the Sunday Independent, she courted both controversy and danger in her methods of obtaining information, often directly from interviewing criminals themselves to paint a portrait of Ireland's gritty, drug fueled gangland in the 1990s. Working under editor Damien Kibbard, or Kibbard? Kibbard? Damien Kibbard, craving first hand information, she pursued a story directly to the source with little regard for her personal safety. To engage those she deemed central to the story. So if she was writing about anybody, she'd obviously get like, go around and try to find out what she did. What would, but like she'd do it in such a, like out in the open yeah, way. Like she'd go to the flats manner. in the city yeah. and be like, does anybody know this fella? And like What's the thing about her as well is she very much looked like a, a middle class mother. Yeah. You know? Carving first hand information, she pursued a story directly with the source with little regard for her personal safety. Safety. To engage those she deemed central to a story. This allowed her to build close relationships with both legitimate authorities such as the Garda Síochána and the criminals with both sides respecting her diligence by providing highly detailed information. She also reported on the Irish Republican Army activities in the Republic of Ireland from 1994 onwards. From 1994 onwards, she covered both the Irish Republican Army the IRA activities in Ireland and Dublin Irish gangland criminality. Using her accountancy knowledge, she traced the proceeds of illegal activity and that's usually how she figured out who she needed to speak to. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. She used street names or pseudonyms for underworld figures to avoid Irish libel laws, but it was always really clear who she was talking about. She was talking about, yeah. When she began to cover drug dealers and gained information from convicted drug criminal John Trainer, she received numerous death threats. The first violence against her in October 1994, when two shots were fired into her home after her story on the murdered crime kingpin Martin Cattle was published. So when it was published, Martin Cattle wasn't dead. He was still alive. Garen dismissed the warning. And the day after, an article was published about Jerry the Monk Hutch on the 30th of January. And, and so the day after, she like, went like, no, and everybody knew that she was, the monk was Jerry Hutch. Yeah. But like, she just got away with it by giving him these nicknames. On the 30th of January, 1995, she answered her doorbell to a man pointing a revolver at her head. The gunman missed and shot her in the leg. So this is detail that I got from McGill. Isn't it McGill? McGill Dunaee, baby. On the 30th of January 1995, the attacker came to the house at 6.45pm on a motorcycle, wearing a visor over his head. When Miss Garen answered the door, he first pointed the gun at her head, but then shot her in the right thigh. Ooh, could you imagine? The bullet was removed following surgery at Beaumont Hospital. And two weeks after Veronica Garen was shot in the leg in January 1995, John Trainer was arrested and questioned at Coolock Garda Station under the Offences Act and State Act. He said plenty, recalled a detective, but he implicated neither himself nor anyone else. So he was like, John Trainer is portrayed in like most of the movies as being like quite mouthy and like he had like a brothel in Dublin. He was open yeah. about his criminal like activities. He was really seedy, but like he'd just like talk around it and be like, I don't want to do it above. But he I wasn't, just know wasn't telling you any obvious like yeah. thing, yeah. Veronica was shot Veronica was shot with an old 45 revolver similar to that used to shoot a social welfare officer who had investigated investigated Martin Cahill oh shit two men on a motorbike pulled up at her Clorin home and the gunman shot her in the hallway 
Forensics report showed that he reload, reloaded the ammunition and, and discarded shells were picked up from the security forces and firing range, which then... So he went... What he did was he just he picked up discarded shells yeah. from security forces and firing ranges and then filled them with metal lead. So they oh, weren't like so it they, wasn't because like if you think about this time, like it's difficult now to get a gun in Ireland. Yeah, of Can you course. imagine in the nineties? Like, and there is that old thing they used to say in the nineties that if you were sh- if you got a gun to shoot somebody, that more than likely that weapon was implicated in like ten, 10 to other 15 fucking crimes murders yeah. before that. The gun was then rested either on or inches from her tie and the slug entered her leg Ugh. from a slightly upright position. So he put it against her leg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God! It lodged at the rear of her femur and flattened. Oh, her, she must have been in agony. Her injuries were freakish because this type of bullet is meant to do a lot of damage. But because she was left with a small... But she was left with a small white scar the size of a five pence piece said the detective it was not a professional job so whoever they hired just didn't know what he was doing they probably got some fucking long, young lad off the street yeah, and handed him a gun it was supposed to like kill her because he was supposed to shoot her in the head why did he put her in his eye I think he just backed down he backed down I think also like in in the dramatisation which is the movie with Kate Blanchett there's two movies about Veronica Guerin she like is she obviously is pleading yeah but she also is like, I like I know who sent you. Yeah. Like she in that moment she's pleading and she's crying, but she's also quite like fearless. In I know. It. I know. I, um, whoever it is, if I live, you're gonna. I'm gonna catch you. Like yeah, kind of and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's almost as if he, the person, he just like, chickened out. But they, as I said, they probably got some fucking nineteen year old from off the streets, like an more than likely. Actually, I'm about to tell you who they got. Oh, okay. The gunman ran out, but got stuck in the mud, and left a pair of brown casual shoes behind. Just to tell you how bad they were. Jesus like Christ. only in Ireland. I left my shoes at the murder because there was mud outside. Oh my god. Detectives also recovered a navy wind cheater and the gun. Okay, so they just left everything then. Two men in the early tw- in their early 20s were arrested, among them the drug-addicted son of an infamous Dublin gangster and a man from Cabra. A third man from the north inner city was also a suspect, and Veronica later told colleagues that she discovered that Trainer had set up the attack to ingratiate himself with Martin Cahill's family so Trainer had given all this information about Martin Cahill's weird sexual relationship with his two sister wives and his his family and Martin Cahill was like fucking horrified and knew what came from him so for him to like clear his name he organised her to be shot I'm going to shoot for but then he also was like last minute don't kill her make it look like you're going to kill her I shot her in the eye (laughs) Oh, thank God, you didn't even try, like... They were incensed over the article called The Three Sisters, which highlighted Cahill's bizarre sex life and for which Trainer was the main source. According to a criminal associate, Trainer later boasted that he had her done. <coughs> so Trainer was walking around Dublin being like, yeah, I had her, I did it. I had, I had her fucking shot, like... Some weeks after the shooting, Trainer and a woman friend from Sandy Mount were sitting in a bar with Garen, joined by them, they had a friendly conversation and when Veronica left, the woman asked Trainer how he could have acted so normally after what he had done. Sometime later, Veronica learned of his involvement but continued to rely on him as a source until shortly before he attempted to injunct her and the Sunday Independent from publish- publishing material about him. So, so like she knew side. he had organised and had her shot Which in her like, house. My, my sources are more important than... She was like, yeah... When I tell you 
I would have given up at the first sight of someone being like, I'm going to shoot you. I'd be like, right, that's grand. I'm just going to go work in a shop. Like her house had been shot and all at yeah. this point and she was getting death threats to her phone. Like, the Garda inquiry was inconclusive and there is no hard evidence to link Trainer to the shooting. However, officers from the Lucan based investigation and the original investigation say that Trainer remains the primary suspect to this yeah. day. There was a previous attack on her house at 9.40pm on October 7th, 1994, when shots were fired into her house. She was at home with her husband and had just put her son to bed. No one was in- injured, but no one was caught either. Like her little boy was in the house. Yeah. Regardless, she vowed to continue her investigations. Independent newspapers installed a security system to protect her and the Garda gave her a 24-hour escort. However, she did not approve of this, saying that it hampered her work. Veronica was fearless and her journalist peers did not respect her. And due to her education and less than conventional means of getting her stories, she was out of the click within that world. She had very few friends that were journalists. She cared about the impact those people were having on the city of Dublin and the kids that were hooked on the drugs that were flushing through the city, especially in social housing and inner city flats. She spent time in the flats and got to know the kids that were hooked on heroin. She wrote about them compassionately in her articles. Um, and that was like the thing that was always, for me, that stuck out because like I remember this time. I yeah. like remember my <coughs> house being marched on because an ex-drug dealer used to like own our house and then they thought that he was still there. I remember like the parents of Ballyferma going out. I remember like my sister's friends dying of heroin. Yeah. I remember so many people being addicted to heroin where I was from that like it was really like I remember Gallonstown. I remember everything about the heroin epidemic in the 90s because like my family were really wrapped up in yeah, it. Yeah, of course. And it affected my family directly. Yeah. John Gilligan was a low-life house and ro- factory robber. He began his criminal career robbing factories and was known as Factory John. But as time went on, he grew his criminal activity into drug smuggling and he smuggled hash into Dublin at commercial quantities. He then moved on to heroin. He was the head of a vast criminal enterprise and he was also a savage. He had a violent temper and was known for his violent outbursts. Um, so John Gilligan is from Ballyfermot. He used to play pool down in the gala. No way. That's where he used to like run most of his enterprises from. Oh, okay. And he used to be called Factory John because he, st- he robbed factories. Factory John. Um, that's what he did. But he went on to become a much bigger criminal. On the 13th of September 1995, convicted criminal John Gilligan, trainer's boss, attacked Veronica Guerin when she confronted him about his lavish lifestyle with no income. Veronica drove to his house. Oh, Veronica. And knocked on his door and just asked him outright how he could afford such a lavish, lavish lifestyle with no clear way of making his income. Did he tell her to fuck off? <laughs> John and his wife bought a sprawling mansion in Lucan with equine facilities for show jumping. John was outra- outraged and launched a violent assault on Veronica on her front. Like he beat the shit out of her and he called her, he called her a slut. <coughs> I remember. He called her a cunt. I think he kept re- repeatedly calling her a cunt and how dare you you cunt and she was yeah. like she, he beat her beating her on the steps of his house punching and kicking her replete, repeatedly he later called her at home and threatened to kidnap and rape her son and it was like that's a tactic of John Gilligan's Jesus. he would quite often threaten rape 
So like rape was like where he would go to and he would often threaten like raping her son. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to kidnap your son and rape him if you're right about me. If you write about me in your newspaper. Um, and Killer, if she wrote anything about him, she wrote several several articles about him. <laughs> she did not back down. Giron received the International Press Freedom Award from the Committee to Protect Journalists in December 1995. On the evening of the 25th of June 1996, Gilligan drug gang members Charles Bowden, Brian Meehan, Kieran Muscles Con- Cannon, Peter Mitchell and Paul Ward met at their distribution premises on- in the Greenmount Industrial Estate. Bowden, the gang's distributor and ammunition quartermasters, supplied the tree with a Colt Python revolver loaded with a three fifty seven Magnum semi-wad cutter bullets. So this wasn't like the previous attempt. Okay, this was an actual fucking... Yeah. On the 26th of June 1996, while driving her red Opal Calibra, Garen stopped at, red, at a red traffic light on the Nace dual carriageway near Newlands Cross. She was coming back from speeding. She was brought up in court in Nace <laughs> for, for speeding, speeding offences. Yeah. And that's where she, she was, was coming, coming back, back from. from. On the outskirts of the city, unaware she was being followed. Two men sitting on motorcycles, drove up and shot into the car six times and she was fatally and mortally wounded. About an hour after Giron was murdered, a meeting took place in Merce Street, Dublin, between Bowden, Meehan and Mitchell. Bowden later denied under oath in court that the purpose of the meeting was the disposal of the weapon but rather that it was an excuse to appear in a public setting and to place them away from the incident. At the time of her murder, Trainer was seeking a high court order against Garen to prevent her from publishing a book about his involvement in organised crime. So she'd written like a full book about like his life and what <coughs> he'd done. Yeah. Garen was killed two days before she was due to speak at a Freedom Forum conference in London. The topic of her segment was dying to tell the story. Oh, Journalists at risk. Veronica. Her funeral service on 29th of June 1996 at a church in Dublin airport was attended to by Ireland's Taoiseach John Bruton and the head of the armed forces. It was covered live by the radio television Aaron on four, and on... <laughs> 4th of July, Labour unions, labor unions across Ireland called for a moment of silence in her memory, which was duly observed in people around the country. I remember that, yeah. I remember that too. Yeah. Garen is buried in Dardistown Cemetery, County Dublin. Garen's murder caused outrage and the Taoiseach John Bruton, Bruton called it an attack on democracy. The Oireachtas, the Irish Parliament, realised the potential of using tax enforcement laws as a means of deterring and punishing criminals. And this is really important because without Veronica Gearing, this wouldn't have happened. Mm. Because she used the financial, her financial background to, to find out, out yeah. who, where are these people getting, getting their money, money from? from yeah. Um, because that has become a means of stopping these stopping, people like, ma- what's the place what's the cab, cab that's coming in the and just criminal assets bureau that happens constantly like now within a week of her murder it enacted the proceeds of crime act 1996 and the criminal assets bureau act 1996 yeah. 
so that the assets purchased with money obtained through crime could be seized by the government. This led to the information of the Criminal Assets Bureau, which we call CAB in Ireland. After the murder of Garen, Bodham was arrested, as were the other members of the Gilligan's gang who were still in Ireland in an agreement with the Attorney General of Ireland. Bowden agreed to turn state's witness and became the first person to enter the Republic of Ireland's witness security programme. Granted immunity from prosecution for the murder of Guerin, he was the only witness to give evidence against all four drug gang members at their trials in the special criminal court. Patrick Holland, Paul Hippo Ward and Brian, Brian Meehan and John Gilligan. The investigation into Guerin's death resulted in over 150 other arrests and convictions, as well as seizures of drugs and arms. Drug crime in Ireland dropped by 15% in the following 12 months. And in 1997, while acting as a guard of witness, Bowden named Patrick Duchy Holland in court as the man he supplied the gun to and hence suspected of shooting Guerin. Holland was never convicted of the murder and he denied the accusation until his death in June 2009 while in prison in the UK. In November 1998, after evidence from Bowden and the others, Paul Hippo Ward was convicted of the murder and sentenced to life as an accomplice because he had disposed of the murder weapon and the motorbike. The conviction was later overturned on appeal. Which, to be honest... I get that we were desperate to find these people and hold them to account. Yeah. But that sets a precedent in Irish law. I like, I genuinely think the appeal was the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, Brian Meehan fled to Amsterdam with Trainer, who later escaped to Portugal. After the court had dismissed additional evidence from Bowden, Meehan was convicted on the testimony of gang members turned state witnesses, Russell Warren, who had followed Guerin's movements in the hours before the murder and then called Meehan on a mobile phone with the details. Meehan was convicted of murdering Guerin and sentenced to life in prison. He is the only individual serving life sentences for his role in the murder. The only one. The only one. John Gilligan left Ireland the day before Guerin was murdered on a flight to Amsterdam. He was arrested 12 months later in the United Kingdom trying to board a flight for Amsterdam after a routine search of his baggage revealed $500,000 in cash. It's super motherfucker. He claimed it was from the proceeds of gambling. Yeah, sure it was. He was charged with money laundering and after a three-year legal battle, he was extradited to Ireland on the 3rd of February 2000. He was tried and acquitted of Guerin's murder. He was later convicted of importing 20 tons of cannabis and sentenced to 28 years in prison, which was reduced to 20 years on appeal. He served his time in prison now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pursued by Cab, in January 2008, Gilligan made a court appearance in an attempt to stop the Irish state from selling off his assets. He accused Trainer of having ordered Guerin's murder without his permission. Despite the presiding judge's attempt to silence Gilligan, he continued to blame a botched Garda investigation and planted evidence as a reason for his current imprisonment. Trainer had fled to Portugal after Guerin's murder and having been on the run from the British authorities in 19, since 1992, he resided mainly in Spain and the Netherlands from 1996 onwards. After a failed extradition attempt from the Netherlands in 1907, which brought Meehan back to Ireland, 
In 2010, Trainer was arrested after a joint UK Soka Ragio Copperson operation in Amsterdam. Trainer, as of 2013, was living in Kent, England after serving his time in prison, but he then died of cancer in 2021. Oh, I didn't know he died. Gilligan was tried and acquitted of the murder of the tried and acquitted of the murder of the investigative journalist Veronica Guerin, who was reportedly working on a tip off from an Irish politician, who was also promised. So he was like told by an Irish politician. Yeah, I won't believe it. Where she was and what she was going to be doing and what she was up to. Yeah. She was investigating. She was investigating Gilligan's involvements in illegal hashish, hashish and marijuana trade in Ireland. After her murder, murder, the Guardi had more than 100 officers working on the case at one point, leading to 214 arrests, 39 convictions, 10 confiscations of, 100 confiscations of guns, 5 million pounds worth of drugs, and 6.5 million pounds worth of property were all seized. Gilligan's assets assets remained frozen by the Criminal Assets Bureau and on January 30th, 2006, the High Court cleared the way for CAB to proceed with an application to have the equestrian centre and the property that belonged to the Gilligan family handed over to the state. In January 2008, making a court appearance in an attempt to stop the state from selling off his assets, Gilligan accused John Trainer of having been the one that ordered the murder of Veronica Guerin. After accusing the presiding judge of an attempt to silence him, Gilligan continued to loudly blame a botched Garda investigation and alleged that the Garda had planted evidence to secure his conviction, leading to his current term of imprisonment. On the 19th of December 2008, Gilligan lost another appeal for a second hearing by the High Court because of the decision. The cab applied to the High Court under the Proceeds of Crime Act to dispose of Gilligan's properties. In November 2012, the courts cleared the final barriers allowing cab to sell off the equestrian centre and Gilligan's house at Weston Green, Lucan. In July 2014, after a lengthy challenge, a Supreme Court ruling brought the cab one step closer to selling off the house and adjoining equestrian centre retained by Gilligan's wife as well as additional properties in Blanchardstown and Lucan. Jesus. It was minted. Fuck me. Um, I do go into like, so John Gilligan is like <coughs> out now and he's still around. But Doing this thing. There has been an assassin, there had been a number of assassination attempts. So on the 1st of March 2014 at 7pm, two gunmen came to the home of Gilligan's brother and went into the house while Gilligan was using the toilet. So John Gilligan came back into the country like literally, I, I think like two days before this. And like John Gilligan can't move in Ireland. He's all over the papers. As soon oh, as everybody knew, like literally. So but everybody. John Gilligan went to Tesco. Like yeah. he's everywhere. Everybody knew where he is. The paramedics from Dublin, Fire Brigade and advanced paramedics from the National Ambulance Services uh, arrived at the scene five minutes later with at least four confirmed hits in his face, <gasps> chest, hip and leg. He was rushed to James Connolly Memorial Hospital where he was in a critical state. Oh, they wanted him dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. He was given the last rites as he arrived oh, at James shit. Connolly Memorial Hospital and in, Blanchard's, in Blanchardstown, but he survived the shooting. It was reported on the 14th of March that the ammunition that was used to shoot him matched the ammunition that had been stolen from a German police a decade earlier. 
That is crazy. I tell you how like difficult it is to get like guns and weapons in Ireland. Yeah, like especially back like you know the early. It's 2014. It's like, it's not a thing, you know. His bodyguard Stephen Douglas Dougie Moran was shot dead on 15th of March 2014 in Lucan. After the shooting of Moran, Gilligan was discharged from hospital and he left the country straight away. Gone. Gone. On the 23rd of August 2018, Gilligan was arrested as he tried to board a flight from Belfast International Airport to Spain with more than €22,000 cash in a suitcase. (laughs) Yeah. He was formally charged with attempting to remove criminal property from Northern Ireland by Antrim Magistrates Court the following day. Following the hearing, he was remanded in custody after his lawyer's application for bail was refused. On the 23rd of October 2020, Gilligan and two other men, one believed to be his son, were arrested in Spain. Spanish police seized quantities of drugs and weapons. He was released on bail in December 2020. And he's awaiting to go to trial for that. Turley remained... So this, I go on now. So that's all I have about John Gilligan because honestly, that's enough air and oxygen to give him. Oxygen to that man, yeah. Uh, He's still alive, but I will say this, he's a scumbag. Scumbag! So, Truly remarried in 2011. Turley remarried in 2011. That's Veronica Guerin's husband. Guerin and Turley's son, Cahill Turley, relocated to Dubai. Wow. And as of 2021, manages an Irish pub at the Dubai World Trade Centre. Oh, amazing. A memorial statue to Guerin is located in Dublin Gardens in the grounds of Dublin Castle. And on the 2nd of May 1997, at a ceremony in Arlington, Virginia, her name and those of 38 other international journalists who died in the line of duty in 1996 were added to the Freedom Forum Journalists Memorial. Her husband addressed the audience. Veronica stood for freedom to write. She stood as a light and she wrote of life in Ireland today and told the truth. Veronica was not a judge, nor was she a juror but she paid the ultimate price with the sacrifice of her life. In 2000, Giram was named as one of the International Pre- one of the International Press Institute's 50 World Press Freedom Hero- Heroes of the past 50 years. Wow, amazing. In 2007, the Veronica Giram Memorial Scholarship was set up at Dublin City University offering a bursary intended to meet the cost of fees and part of the general expenses of an MA in journalism. Amazing. Students who wish to specialise in investigative journalism can apply for this scholarship. Two films have been based on the story of Veronica, When the Sky Falls 2000, starring Joan Allen as Sinead Hamilton and Veronica Guerin, and in 2003, starring Kate Blanchett, a biography titled Veronica Guerin, The Life and Death of a Crime Reporter by Emily O'Reilly was published in 1998. Questions the ethics of Guerin's methods of gathering information and those of the underlying media establishment. And that is the story of Veronica Guerin. A fearless human being. An absolutely fearless human being. Because honestly, I don't, I don't know how she did it. But the other side of it is at that time like you were just saying with regards like what was going on in these communities with drugs and stuff nothing was being done Sarah No and I do think I do think so I think there's a couple of things about Veronica Guerin that always got me the first thing is is like I I get that like her methods were so blunt yeah like she literally walked up to like 
Martin Caha and was like, hi, can you... Uh, like, where are you getting your stuff? And she literally was like, can you explain to me where you're getting your money from? Yeah. Like, and he just beat her. Yeah. Um, and, and I do think, like, that's really irregular, right? And not safe. No, not at all. Right, because these people... Are literal murderers. They but do their not life, care. But that's their livelihood. Yeah, they do right? not care. Um, but I also don't think she had any help. That's the thing, as I was just saying, like, she was the only person that seemed to kind of go, you know what, this isn't okay. And communities are being gutted and torn up. Families are being, there are literal heroin addicts climbing around the streets because this shit is being pumped into these communities. And the reason they're pumping it into these communities is because they know politicians don't care about them. And if you just look at like where I'm from, (coughs) there were families being torn apart, but the amount of childhood friends I have that were yeah. were raised by their grandparents it's so many because their so many mom and dad were heroin addicts yeah, look, or their mom and dad were dead Barry Keoghan that actor I was reading a thing about him the other day he was on the Late Late Show but he I think his mother was yeah. and he'd been in and out of homes from the age of like 14 to mm. whatever and it's like his grandmother raised him Yeah, and it's always that my nanny raised me my granddad raised me because these drugs were pumped into these communities by these fucking scumbags and people were just dying left, right and centre. Mm. Like, and she was like, you know what, fuck this. Where, these people are dying on the streets and these motherfuckers have five houses. Yeah. And 12 cars yeah. and a million euros sitting in their bank account and where are they getting it from? Yeah. She was absolutely fearless and unfortunately, like, as per usual, somebody's death had to lead to a change, change in policy. Yeah. And that seems to be the way it always happens. But in some respects, you know, it has led to a very good change in policy and good things are happening. They're not happening, but you know what I mean? Like, hit them where it hurts. Same thing they did with the mafia. Yeah, like, yeah. They don't get the mafia for murder. They got them with tax evasion. Yeah. That's because that's literally like, you can't argue this. You are no. evading tax. Yeah. So... But yeah, she was... one. I'll tell you something. She was one moment for some moment for one moment. Did you cover her in college? Yeah, she was like... And what did they say in college about her? Everything you just said. But also... Is there a conversation about her ethics? There is. But there's a conversation about all ethics in journalism. Because there's a conversation to be had about Veronica Kieran walking up and knocking on someone's door and being like, hey, what's going on? As opposed to a journalist going to that person's friend and being like, what are they doing? That's the way most journalists would do it. They'll find an in. But she was just like, hey... Yeah. What's going on? So there was, and I think there was a little bit of naivety with her in some respects. I do think, so. You know what I mean? Like, I get that, like, it's a movie, and, but, like, in the movie where Kate Blanchett plays her, she comes across as really cocky. Mm. Like, I don't think she was. No, I don't think so either. At all. I think there there was a little bit of naivety about her. I think that she was very much surrounded by a lot of very wealthy people who were making their wealth from politics. You know, she wasn't living in a poor area. She was never a poor person. No. So I think a lot of her, maybe her naivety led her to be so fearless in a sense of being like, well, I don't care. What are they going to do? Yeah. Not understanding how scary these people were. Yeah. But then she did understand and she kept going. Yeah, no, like that's the other thing is like she was like she was shot in the leg. Yeah. He rang her and said I'm going to rape that your son. That is insane to me that they and put that gun against like, her leg. I'm just going to keep I'm going to keep at this. But, and there is a lot to be said for people that do do that because there's reasons that we have things in life because there's people that have been like I'm not standing for this. Yeah. This is wrong. Most of us, me included, would step the fuck back and be like I'm not dying and I'm not getting to be killed that I know. 
But obviously when you're in that, you're like, no, I don't agree with this. These people are doing terrible things and I want to try and help. Yeah. You know, and if we didn't have that in the world, people like Veronica Guerin, nothing would change there, Jane. No. So, you know, ethics and journalism is a very grey area because there are ways of getting information that can be considered unethical. But there are other ways that people consider ethical that I'm like, but is that ethical? Like, you don't know. It's a very, very grey area, but... She did what she had to do. Yeah, <laughs> and she unfortunately a, she paid the ultimate price, which is desperately sad because she was so fucking young. So young and she was so... I, and I don't... I think even if she... I think if she wasn't murdered, she would still be so imper- important yeah, to Irish journalism. Very much so, yeah. Because she kicked off a, a language in our newspapers that was like... What? Like, because our newspapers at that point were like... Like, we really didn't cover no, Dublin gangland no. criminality and we didn't really talk no. about, like, you know, these people were coming up. Like, the monk was like, the monk did interviews. Yes. Like, yes. Um, so you know, and Martin Cahill was portrayed on TV as like a clown. Yeah. That's like, the thing, they turned it into this, like, circus. Yeah, and it was entertainment. Like, it's so funny. And I'm like, no, and, um, they're ravaging communities that you don't care about because they're in Ballyfermot. Yeah. And they're in Crumlin and they're in Drimna and you don't care about these people. You're and the only time die. they started to care about, like, the general was because he started to live in affluent yeah. areas. And then he they were lived like, behind the fucking... The, head sergeant of yeah. Cab's house like, and then all of a sudden it was like we get him out yeah yeah and then it was um, yeah. but I do think she would have I, I think her death did great things and I think it's sad that she died it's to create that yeah I think we would have gotten there because of her if she hadn't have died it just would have taken longer longer yeah um but that is the story of Veronica Guerin good job um Everybody read up about Veronica Guerin if you're not Irish because she is actually a, Watch the movies if you a can. tour de force, truly. She's unbelievable. And Kate Blanchett's actually very good in that movie, but yeah, the way she She's a good Irish accent. She's a great, and it's very hard to do yeah. an Irish accent, like you can tell. But you know what? Fuck Kate Blanchett because she likes uh, she, Woody Allen. Uh, she like also likes Roman Polanski. One of her children is named after Roman Polanski. Yeah, no, she has her. a child named Roman. So, mm. um, But anyway, lads, thank you very much. Sarah did a great job. Um and that's everything and we'll be back next week. We'll be back next week. Happy Christmas, Hi, Susie. Colin. Oh man, what a wonderful day in the Houston house. It's a beautiful day. Oh, I wonder who could be at the door. How are you, Bono? Edge. What's happening? Did you listen to that podcast I recommended to you? No, man. I've been too busy hammering nails into the soul of the tree of pain. Two feminists bitching on a podcast Talking about murders It's an interesting podcast It's a podcast One's from Longford One's from the big schmuck They started telling stories Now the internet is broke Emma's got two cats So you think you feel blessed But she's in a bad mood Because one of them is deaf Stone deaf Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane, can't say her second name Mainly cause her husband Graham don't want any of the blame Oh Oliver, Jack, oh Bella, oh Hades Be good for your mammies cause they're two scary ladies They go around looking for men after dark So be careful if you're hanging around the Liffey Valley car park Cause it's all about the matriarch 
for a young fellas looking for a creep They grabbed them and they throw them in the back of Sarah's Jeep And they pull out their fucking teeth My, my, my men are scum All men are scum <laughs>